I used to do lots of things. The Latinx community. <laughs> it never gets old. It's always funny. It's always funny. Uh, um, welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Reckless Muse Cast. We've got our old buddy back, Judson. Thanks for coming back, man. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Nice. Um, so uh, you are an extremely talented artist, and so uh, it seems like you've got a lot of projects uh, in the works lately. So, so what have you been working on lately? Oh, well, um, sort of art and, and, and life mm. at the same time. Mm. Uh, first of all, it's good. To, it's good to be back. I've kind of missed you guys. You know, I mean, I was here like a year ago. Yeah. yeah. It's, been, it's been 11 months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that time really flew by. I guess certain mile mm. markers make you go, you know, Holy shit. But uh, <clears throat> I will say before we even get into that, um, mm. I've been I have been busy, but I'm you know, I can't take my pants off just yet. Um, <laughs> I listened to the podcast that you guys just did. Uh, that was sort of the Tarantino book. Mm. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, and I listened to that some of it yesterday and some of it today. <clears throat> And I thought that was such an interesting conversation. Uh, I really, it was like, I was listening to it and I was like, oh, I wish I was almost a part of that podcast. I wish we were talking about some of those things because there were so many things that I kind of wanted to jump in or, you know, I just, and some of you guys said those things anyway, so I'm not trying to, you know. We can talk it. about it. Yeah. I even think we said at the end of that episode, we should return to this topic because yeah. I think it's one of our favorites. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, it just goes to show that I think when I guess when you start talking about Tarantino, you can kind of end up talking about anything. Yeah. You can kind of end up talking about anything because he there's so many pop culture references you know, he's sort of a bag of pop culture himself. And so yeah. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I mean, I love some of the movies that you guys mentioned too. You know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you guys talked a little bit about Chinatown too, you know, big yeah. Jack Nicholson movies. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it made me laugh because we were, you, you guys, you guys were talking about uh, Deliverance and I was listening to it <clears throat> and uh, you were thinking just, Assuming it was like West Virginia. Yeah. You know, I'd always known it was from Georgia because they, you know, Atlanta in the beginning. So that film was filmed up in uh, Raven Gap. Mm. Uh, that's the part of North Georgia mm. where it was. And I spent time up there. Uh, I did an art artist residency there. And it's the Hambage Center. And you go there and you live in a cabin by yourself. Uh, I look like I've been living in the cabin by myself. Uh, <laughs> but you go up there and, you live in the, and there's all there's about you know 10, 12 cabins and then mm. and, and whatever. But uh, you go down and you eat dinner every night together. 
And there was a guy there who was not a part of the residency, but he, he lived in Raven Gap. Yeah. Uh, and he had this T-shirt on. <laughs> and the T-shirt said, uh, Ben, you'll probably, I hope you'll like this, but uh, mm. it said, uh, paddle faster, I think I hear banjo music. Oh. Yeah, I've actually seen that shirt. Yeah, Paddle Faster, I think I hear bandos. And so, yeah. I mentioned that shirt to him, and he said, uh, well, you know, I'm from here. I live here. Yeah. I can uh, I can wear that shirt. Oh, wait. We just... uh, your image? I think we can hear you. It looks Judson, like we lost your, your, your video. Video there. Well, why? <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. <laughs> I don't know what to do about it. Huh? Uh, I mean, I'm. I mean, consider we can hear you. Okay, I'm. I'm cool with just going like this. Like I'm cool, fine. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Um, okay. But anyway, right. it was a. Uh, it was a great podcast that you guys did. I thought it was uh, really interesting, and uh, so I don't know. Thank it was you. really engaging. I liked it. I like when you guys talk about films. Two mm. two film buffs here, so. Uh, yeah. It sounded, it was, it was, it was good. It was good. Thanks man. Yeah. That was a lot of fun, you know, it, and, and it, it's cool revisiting an era of cinema that, you know, kind of celebrated more kind of rugged kind of, you know, taking, you know, like risk taking, um, uh, filmmakers <clears throat> at the time. Cause there was like this explosion of freedom at the time. So I was like, you know, that must've been a really cool time to be alive as a young, you know, aspiring filmmaker. Yeah. I think there was a lot of, there was, I mean, there was a lot of filmmakers then too. I mean, 60s and 70s that was kind of a no like you're saying a no holds barred thing where it felt like maybe if you had a type of voice maybe you could get a word in edgewise and i don't know i mean there were still big studios and it was hollywood was still a big as it was years before you know a big industry but yeah, yeah you're right there seemed to be something magical and and maybe unrealistic but freeing in the sense where now, like, you know, I mean, it just seems like we are in, in a, in a remake of a remake of a remake. It's, it's mm. all very kind of, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I sometimes I, I see a, a, a movie poster or a, a commercial or something about a new Spider-Man. And I'm like, how many have they made? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know, but everything Marvel comics is really, taken a big bite out of the uh out of i don't know the the industry the ticket sales whatever however they measure these things by but it's uh yeah it's a it's it's definitely changed from the generation you guys were referring to yeah but you know as dark as as an era can be i like the one that we're in right now that's that's bland and polished i also think it's also it's a good time for our for you know um artists to like really step oh hey there you are you're back that was, that was perfect timing. <laughs> Wait, did you do that on purpose? No, I, I couldn't do that. That was really impressive. It's like right with the cigarette. Yeah, just keep smoking throughout this podcast, and we'll be able to see you. Um, but uh, you know, I, I as as bleak and bland as as the era is right now, in, in terms of of cinema, and, and also just just kind of the arts in general. You know, I've talked a lot about you know living in LA and just seeing like like the, the you know art galleries and just seeing how overly political um you know like like activists and artists are basically the same thing now um yeah also you know it's a great time for 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 artists you know who who really want to take risks and push boundaries like this is like there are so many rules and guidelines and and 
um, fads. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of rules to break now. Like, there's a lot of push. There, there, there are a lot yeah, of things to fight a lot back of ways, against. A lot of ways to be a rebel. That's for mm. sure. Mm. And so, you know, I remember in, in my life when that personally that rule was true. Mm. No. You know, when I was younger, and no. so it can work personally. It can work for culture at large. So I think you're right. I mean, it is. It does seem like a, such a desperate time, but those are where things flare up and individual voices can sort of push through those things. So, I mean, yeah, we shouldn't get too dark or down on anything because you never know where that's going to come from, really. Right, right. And also, I mean, just when you look at like the history of the arts, it's like so many of the greatest movements came about from reacting to, you know, like the overly restrictive era that 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 preceded it. You know, it's like um, like when the classical era became too, you know, uh, uh, like it, it's very ornamental and very clean and very balanced. Then the romantic era was like, no, like you know, we shouldn't be making music to. Um, you know, uh, uh, appease the aristocracy. We should be ma- we should be making music that, that that expresses our true uh, humanity. It should be individual. And so then you have like the romantic era that was deeply personal and 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 exploring mm-hmm. a, a wide range of, of emotions that weren't really explored before in the classical era. And and you know also like in the seventies cinema, it's like that was reacting against like the the you know it's like you can kind of hint at sexuality and hint at violence. Whereas the seventies was like now nah, let's fight. let's show the rape scene. Let's show the, let's show the sex scene. Let's show that person getting shot yeah. and killed. Mm. Yeah, and, and you guys were talking about a little bit about that. When I think, Ben, you said, you know, you, you didn't see the rape scene in Deliverance. You sort of bared witness to it. Well, that's what, yeah, I, I don't want to take credit for that. That's what Tarantino said. Right, right. Okay, yeah. I, I was you, quoting him, and I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think I, yeah, yeah I, I remember that part now. Uh, but it's true. I mean, sometimes telling a story, it's like you're not condoning it. Right. You know, you're not saying it's good. Right, right. It's like you have to tell it for people to see it and to say, this is why it isn't good. Right. And so that's why it gets very strange with the type of, uh, I don't, I, it's not necessarily technically censorship it doesn't necessarily come from the state right, right. but there is a cultural um type of i don't know maybe a squeamishness a squeamishness to things that um are just a part of life and they're not necessarily pretty or good right but to think that people aren't going to talk about them or express them is a little much right right it reminds you a little bit of a quote from Stephen King, where he said that um, horror stories are rehearsals for our own deaths, and, and I, I like that because it was all it was, you know, forget just the, the the horror genre, like like any story that deals with you know a very dark subject. It's like you know I'd rather experience that on a on on a screen or in a book or in a painting rather than deal with it in my own life. So it's almost like okay, like that was a very harrowing movie about drug addiction, but you know it got me thinking about what what it's like for others to, to go through that. So it's like, okay, now I have some kind of resilience to that. Now I have like a better understanding of what it's like for people who suffer through that. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like the idea that, that, you know, um, society will be better off by, by, you know, uh, uh, shunning 
uh, the masses away from from taboo ideas. Yeah, no, obviously not, especially not for the artist, because that's that taboo nature is so much a part of the inspiration. Yes. If it wasn't taboo, you might not necessarily feel you need to talk about it at all. Right, right. So it it, it, it sort of messes with the the uh, the origin story of 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 the narrative in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. If you if you don't go there, then uh, there's a quote. You know, I don't I don't remember who it was, but you know, no tears in the reader, no no tears in the writer, yeah. no tears in the reader. And, and that could be, that's, I think that's probably the same for laughter or mm, yeah. fear yep. or any of the other emotions that you want to go through from a roller coaster type perspective in a mm. story. Right. You know, if they're not afraid to tell you, then you're not going to be afraid to hear it. No. And what fun is that? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and was... you know what that's like. Come on. <laughs> yeah, of course. It was uh, Camus who Joe has quoted. Oh, this yeah. podcast before said live to the point of tears and i don't think that just means like crying all the time for because you're sad but it's you know joyful tears emotional just like overcome with emotion and i mean he was one he's one of the best he's one of my favorites um judson i want to ask you well on this topic i guess uh i know you lived in new york city did you ever go to the mm-hmm. cloisters the cloisters yeah, it's it's um, up in Inwood, so it's like literally the northernmost part of Manhattan, and there there it's basically. I had thought it was like originally a monastery up on a hill that had turned into a museum, but it turns out it was actually created to be a museum, and everything was kind of imported from uh, Spain and France and Italy and and basically the old world um, to, and it's part of the Met. And what I really liked about it, and what was surprising to me about it, is, is that it's all medieval art which okay. really gets overlooked a lot for like Renaissance art and modern art and what, I, oh, you're gone again, but that's okay. You'll come I think back. I'm still yeah. here though. I'm here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we're here. And kind of the same, uh, I think a, a good comparison between, I guess like more conventional art and then filmmaking that we're talking about with the seventies is like medieval art was so imperfect. And that's kind of what I liked about it. It had this realism to it. And, and I don't know if that was really on purpose. I think some of it was like unskilled, like like the less skilled artists. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's beauty in that because it made it more, uh, I don't know if realistic is the right word, because the Renaissance artists made the most realistic art in terms of like what a calf muscle looked like or right, you know right. what, what facial features look like. But mm-hmm. realism as in like, just like the imperfections of humanity. And, and, I, and I really right. like I was so surprised and I, I was just wondering if you've been there and oh, you're back, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I was just wondering uh, if you had been there because it was just such a pleasant surprise to see this focus on medieval art that you just see so little of in the, in the you know, famous museums of, of the world of Europe and, and the Americas. Yeah, no, I, I had not ever uh, been there. Uh, I was in New York. I don't know when when, when that place was uh when it was opened up, when it was founded, uh, I was there a long time ago. My my experience in New York was much very, well before you. <laughs> this was like small. the twenties. No. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. yeah, that would have been before I got there. 
I think a lot of people don't really know what it like. I, I did. I thought it was going to be like a cool monastery that would turn into more of like a walkthrough. It's gorgeous. It looks like you could film Game of Thrones there. Mm. Like it, it's beautiful as you know gardens, and it's up on a it's up on a hill, uh, and you get a beautiful view of the river and um and uh when you go in and then it has like the met banner so i'm like oh this is like legit museum okay so and it's almost like a satellite of the met it's, it's like a set it's, it's exactly it's what it is it's like a satellite of the met with a focus specifically on medieval art so everything's like france 13th century spain 12th century like really cool lots of obviously religious but also just the way they depicted dragons and camels and um uh of course like jesus and a, a lot of like really interesting uh, and some of it was very intricate especially things out of like more northern europe like the, the netherlands it, it was you could see how the renaissance everyone does focus on italy i think rightfully so but the netherlands had a huge part in the renaissance that i think does get overlooked you can see like the intricacies there um with the with the mm -hmm. dutch artists um mm -hmm. but I, I don't know i just I, I would highly recommend to anyone listening that has an interest in medieval art Oh, and I had my favorite, uh, literally when you, I, I have like this kind of weird obsession with King Arthur. I'm like a huge fan of King Arthur. Um, and when you like, when you Google him and you go to his Wikipedia page, there's this tapestry of him. It's like the main picture. I turn and I'm looking at this tapestry and it's called the hero's tapestry. And it has, uh, you know, some is like, not Israeli, but like Israel, Hebrew, uh kings and princes and some medieval ones and i'm like wait this looks so familiar and i turn around and king arthur's right there oh, and i was right. like that was very surreal to me to see because i'd only seen that on the internet and here it is in new york city this whole right, time right right um so anyway uh highly recommend if you ever come back up here medieval art cracks me up like it, there's a, a twitter uh <laughs> I, mean, I mean i i like it but they're they're, they're sometimes the expressions are odd oh um, very odd yes <laughs> there's, there, there's a twitter account i forget what it's called i, I think it was just called w weird medieval dudes or something yeah and it's, it's paintings but it's like taken out of context and it's like there's one looks like it was like a battle scene and some dude's just getting stabbed like just get, get, getting speared but he's doing this like okay i'll <laughs> die now yeah and, and there's another one where like, like a friar is exercising a demon out of a woman but both of them like their eyes are half closed like it's just such a casual exorcism like he's just kind of like and then the woman's just like and then, like there's like a demon flying out of her mouth but it's, it's like it's just really, like, everyone was just chill about everything back then i guess like, they're chill about getting killed chill about getting exercised well a lot i think there's this whole thing made about like what the monk because these monks would just be transcribing books you know all day that's all they yeah. would do and they get bored and they would draw these figures in the margins. Mm. And if you've ever seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, that's like a big part of it, or all these kind of cutaways to these animated uh, shorts or whatever, or all of these uh, like just doodles basically from monks. And a lot of them are like, and there's like social commentary in them. Some of them are pretty crude and crass, and it was almost like cartoonish and ways for monks to express themselves in a very Yeah, I'm starting to think culture. of uh, uh, Mad Magazine. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean so and and the, i mean they were all real have like people blowing trumpets out with their asshole and like and, and yeah. like and, and so many of them was like why do so many of these pictures of like doodles of like knights fighting um fighting snails like that's a common theme is fighting snails now it's because snails represented the lombards who were the this germanic group who like invaded northern italy now called lombardy and mm. Like they didn't like them. So they would like make these basically like, political cartoons back in the 11th century. It was, it was very cool.
Yeah. I mean, I can almost see Alfred E. Newman getting stabbed. Just, yeah, just what? be like, whatever. What, me, worry? <laughs> By the way, Judson, before... There is a humor in all those things. Does that look you know? familiar? Uh, oh, no, you got that. Is that the drawing I gave you with the uh, John Brown thing? Yeah, well, the John, John Brown's upstairs, so I can't I can't go up there right now, but that's... No, yeah, no, that's no, it's fine, right, but I'm... It's, it's a little bit far away. It's a small thing, but I, yeah, I recognize it. It's yeah, it's small, that's, but uh, that's cool. I'm glad you got that one framed too. Yeah, very nice. Judson original. That's I want right. to show you that I have it up right here. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's a pen and ink that I uh, gave you along with the uh, the John yeah. Brown uh, portrait that uh, I did for you. That's cool, man. That's very yeah. cool. I'm glad you got Thank that you. one uh, fixed up and hung too. That's great. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. How's John Brown doing? He's good, man. Yeah, he's upstairs. I have a desk upstairs. Um, I don't. I, I don't. I will really work down here now, um, and mm -hmm. I, but I have a desk and a bunch of like maps and pictures and stuff upstairs too. So he's up there with them. That's good. Good, good, good spot for him. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so Justin, you're in Brazil. Um, so yeah. how's, how's that uh, been for your, for your creative process? Is, is it, is it a better place for artists than, than, you know, uh, the U S or at least for you? Uh, well, for me, it, it is. Mm. Uh I would say so. Yeah. Um, I'm in a completely different situation than I've ever been in, which is can be good, uh, can be really good. Uh, I live in this uh, this house with uh, my wife Yasmin, and um, you know I moved. I was I was where you were. I was in LA, and yeah. uh, I lived in San Francisco for six years before that LA for five years lived in New York lived in Georgia which was pretty much spent a lot of my time in Atlanta trying to sort of discover whatever art happenings were there so I spent a long time in the big city <clears throat> and so now I'm, I'm in I'm in the countryside I mean big time I'm in Minas Gerais which mm. is <clears throat> uh you know, it's mostly farmland. I mean, I live in a, a fairly small town. It's not yeah. there's, there's towns that are smaller, yeah. uh, but I'm fairly isolated. So I feel like I've sort of lived a lot of lives in those big cities, which mm. might make you feel older than you are, or, you know, burning the candle at both ends in certain ways. And, and mm. sometimes getting into trouble because of it. So now I feel like I'm in a, in a, oh, I don't know if paradise is the right word, but I mean, there is a, there is a mm. tranquility now and there's less of a hurry. Mm. And I do feel more poetic in a sense, for lack of a better word. I do feel more focused and I do feel like I don't have to, it's not a grind. I can go at my own mm. pace. And uh, and so a lot of things I think have blossomed just from getting away. And when you get away from the city, you know, it's not implicit, but you also do gradually get away from the Twitter and the Instagram. Right. Get away from those things feel like cities yeah. in a yeah. sense. You know, if the internet is a landscape, mm. internet and Facebook is like the metropolis. It's where everyone is yelling and no one gives a shit and 
Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone's just kind of shouting over each other. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, not that the internet isn't useful, but I mean, you know, sure. there's parts of it that are more of a, uh, a distraction than anything else. So, <clears throat> I feel good about it, Joe. I really do. Good. It's. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I just have a lot more time and there's no one to impress. <laughs> you know, there's no hipsters here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How far are you from Rio, Judson? I'm about uh I'm about f uh 4 hours. Oh, okay. Um, Rio far. de Janeiro. Uh yeah. <clears throat> I have not been to Rio. Oh. Uh yeah. I've been to Rio de Janeiro is also a state. Mm -hmm. Uh so I've been to the state. I've been to a place called Parachi, uh, which is uh, down down there on the coast. It's a it's a uh, on the water, and uh, it's sort of a tourist zone. They have the uh, uh, flip. The um, it's a literary festival in Parachi, cool. and uh, haven't been to it, but I, I went I went down there, and so there's a deeper culture there of uh, basically brought on by, by tourists, but also um, the, uh, the literary festival that draws, you know, thousands of people and there's a lots of lectures and uh, Christopher Hitchens, if you know mm. Christopher Hitchens, I think, yep, you, got, yeah, yeah. Of course. you know, he was there yeah. and uh, described it as a place that something like, um, you know, if he could build a city for people like him, it would be like Parachi. Mm. So Parachi, uh, how how far is that from, like Rio, the city? I would say it's probably equal, so probably two hours, maybe three. Oh gosh, okay. I'm I, asking I, because I, I might be coming to Brazil next year. I'm not. I'm not oh, sure cool. yet. Uh, it's it's one of our top choice. It really depends on my fiance's. Um, work schedule and she's in theater and how much time she would get off depending on the show and if it's worth like if it's enough time because that's a pretty far trip so you, you know you don't go for a long weekend we'd want to go for no 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 no, no no yeah, yeah yeah and and i she, she likes the idea of like kind of just having the beach which you know we live near the beach it'd be different to go in the winter um or i i we kind of split time between new york city and and where i live in south jersey um but uh so we'd probably be like copacabana or like one of the beach you know touristy sure, sections yeah. of the city uh but i'll let you know if we come down i know so four hours isn't close i've heard of Minas. i think anthony bourdain did a episode there so that sounded familiar yeah. i didn't know how uh -huh. far you know how far it was um but i'll obviously let you know if we go down i just don't know if we're well even if even if uh you know it'd be great to link up with you but if we can't i mean you know my wife would certainly uh uh send you a some sort of some sort of thing to guide you around or help guide your decisions or whatever. Love it. Fantastic. So uh, you know, communicate with that with us. At least you, you got friends here. If you can, if you can make it, if it happens, uh, you know, we'll we'll try yeah. and see or have you over or whatever we can do. But yeah, you know, it's a, it's a and we're place. gonna and we should talk before <laughs> we should talk for eleven months next time. Like so, yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again. That was yeah. surprising. I went back. I was like, when's the last time we had Judson on? And I saw yeah. it's like eleven months. Damn. Yeah. That, that that did not feel like that long ago, but I guess it was. Yeah. I know, I know. 
It's true. So, so, so you're, you're, you're kind of out in the, in, in the, uh, the boonies there. So has that change of scenery, like, has that had much of an impact on, on your art at all and on, on your creativity? Uh, typically it does. I mean, just with any artist, once you yeah. change the scenery, you, there's just little things that just hit differently and it might be the light. It might be the people, it might be the weather, it could be, could, you know, where all those things combined. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've always been primarily an abstract artist. I mean, I've drawn from a particularly American movement, which is abstract expressionism, the, the abstractionists of the 1940s, the action painters in New York City. <clears throat> That's why I went to New York City. Uh, <clears throat> but... I was also in sort of my own echo chamber, meaning I thought, and I still catch myself doing this. I mean, I thought everyone was sort of hip to abstract art. Everyone sort of knew what it was and why it was. And the more I go out into places and, and hear people talk about abstract art, they, they really don't. And that bothers me. Right. And so there's an essay actually that, I'm working on, uh, which is sort of in defense uh, and critical of abstraction. Mm. And, you know, the crux of it is something like what is easy to mimic is hard to master. And I don't think we live in an age where people are going to take the time to say, if you hear people will say something like, oh, it's abstract. Mm. Like there's art and then there's abstract. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like as if they're two separate things. Yeah. And they're not. But the 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 abstraction is so easy to mimic that you do get a lot of uh kind of half-baked work that people don't know the difference. You know, everyone is not decooning. You know, everyone doesn't really quite know how to make that image work. But there is this sort of hiding behind, well, it's abstract. Right. If you don't like it, it's your problem. You can't get it. It's like, no, I get it. Your paintings just aren't that good. Yeah. yeah. And I've never had to tell an art. I mean, I, maybe I would, but I've never, I'm, I'm not that confrontational to particular people. It's more about ideas. But, right. you know, so relating it back to America, it's such an, it's such an American movement, not to say that Abstract art is only found in America, but I've since decided that I don't want to be in that camp. Mm. And I think that I've uh, arrived at a place where my artistic concerns as a painter, I've probably been saturated with abstraction. And so I don't want to really do it anymore. I want to, I want to paint, uh, if I were, my version of some sort of surrealistic thing where there's definite images going on and maybe some abstraction, but not pure abstraction. So I think getting away from America has probably allowed me to see the folk arts, uh, you know, particularly uh, Portinari, uh, who has plenty of paintings in South, I mean, all over Brazil, but I mean, I've seen a bunch of them in uh, the Pinacoteca in Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> 
that's a painter who is sort of like, you know, Brazil's Picasso in a sense. He's a man of the people, maybe more than Picasso was, but I mean, he painted what was around him and he painted the struggle of people and he was influenced by Picasso, but as everyone basically was, but uh, there's just an opening of a deeper well, or at least a wider well of influences that I think I want to tackle. And if I've already sort of solidified my curiosities uh, about abstract expressionism and also the visual problem of people just not really understanding it or not, not having the patience to understand it, I guess it's time to sort of, I feel organically like it's time to move on anyway. So I'm doing some different things now and I have plans, but um, you know, there's a lot going on. So, but I mean, I was painting today. So, I mean, I'm always painting. So uh, yeah, that's one thing. (laughs) Do you paint every day? Uh, No, Uh, most of the time I go through seasons. So I've, I've, there's times where I've probably not painted for months, mm. but I always return to it and that's just sort of a dry spell, but it's usually because I'm doing something else. Mm. So I was focusing, you know, on this book of poetry for the past probably six right. months. Yeah. I mean, I was writing poetry for about the two years that I was here and then it took, takes time to compile them and edit them and put them in whatever order. So, I mean, you know, <clears throat> painting is sort of a lifelong thing. And so I don't feel like I have to do it every day. Right. I think, you know, I don't want to turn it into a job. It's mm-hmm. not a career. It's something that I will never not do. But right. so I don't, I don't make a point to say I'm going to do this every day. I don't mm-hmm. really, I don't really believe that mm-hmm. for myself creatively. Some people need that, you know, Stephen mm-hmm. King writes six pages of his book every day. That's right. his right. thing. And it, Yes, you know, it probably works works for him, but you know, yeah. so <laughs> he tweets six pages of a book every day. So <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker doesn't shut up. I, I'm sorry. I've, I've, my, my, one of my sayings recently has been uh, filling in the blank with my tolerance. For, so here, my tolerance for Stephen King has ended, and I, I, I really actually cannot stand him anymore. We, we've talked about on the show how he's a, he's one of the only authors I've actually removed books from my book list like my reading list just because of personal shit like it's so it's the opposite of what we really stand for uh, on the show like about separating art from artists and but he's so just he's kind of had some takes on like censorship and quote-unquote disinformation that just to me feels like such a betrayal that i didn't feel uncomfortable removing him are there any other list are there any other authors that you've removed where you're like, oh, this, this, my struggle. This sounds like an interesting book. Oh, uh, oh, the author. Oh, no, oh, no, thank you. Well, you- it's really not. It's not. I, I don't do that where it's like, oh, so some people will be like, oh, someone goes viral. It's like, well, let's look up their past, make sure they're not problematic. Yeah. No, no, it's not that at all. It's more of like, yeah. oh, I, I, I have this author's book on my list, and then I start seeing him or her on like Twitter, just yeah. saying really annoying ridiculous shit and my bought my tolerance for that is very high like you'd be like okay well they're annoying they're saying kind of typical shit but like that book still sounds really good has great reviews it sounds interesting there's one other guy this a vietnamese writer who 
um, I guess Vietnamese American, I think, but uh, he, he won the Pulitzer for a book and the sympathizer, I forget his name. It's like Niet Vang Kong or something like that. Um, and he was just like saying really dumb shit during the elections. And I was like, oh. dude, I, I did like one Google search and I put, I like pasted it on one of I like reply to him. It's like, like your own people being like Vietnamese Americans in Orange County, where you live, like don't even agree with what you're saying. Like, yeah. like the statistics show that you're wrong is this is really obnoxious. And I'm like, all right, this book, I can just put on someone, the Pulitzer anyway. And yeah. I took that off. Yeah. But those I are the only some two. Of it is the obnoxiousness of it. Yeah. I mean, if Stephen King said one thing, that's one thing you could, well, I don't agree with him, but I mean, it's sort of the, uh, the tweet storms, I guess, you know, it's not I mean, even that so much. It was really my, it was, it was, the disinformation shit. I was like, dude, you have written stuff that like has been attacked, that has tried to been sent, like tried to be censored. Like he wrote an mm -hmm. it, he wrote about like a basically a a minor, like a bunch of children having a gangbang. Yeah. Like, yeah. like like if you don't know, they don't have this in the movies, but in the book, it the girl of the group, all the boys fuck her. Yeah. And they're yeah. like yeah. children. Yeah. And you're gonna talk about like disinformation like the disinformation governance board that yeah. just to me is such a betrayal of an artist of his caliber and and what he stands for like writing really um provocative material that yeah. i'm like okay dude you're just like sold out to the establishment like you've you've made it so you can say this shit but you're kind of grandfathered in where if you were writing yeah. this now yeah. like you wouldn't have these takes because your books would be the ones getting censured and censored both. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the activism thing that, that bothers the hell out of me where, yeah. like you said, Jetson, you know, like it's one thing if, if a prominent, you know, a pop cultural figure spouts some dumb opinions sometimes, okay, whatever. I say dumb shit too, but it's like, okay, now you've kind of appointed yourself as like the arbiter of this thing. Yeah. Um, simply because you've sold a lot of books or because you sold a lot of, you know, because your, your, your movie was a hit last year or something like that. It's like, no, I don't. Right. Yeah, it's the act, and also like whenever I go to like an art museum or gallery here, and like I, I'm looking, I'm looking at the bio of the of, of the artist, and it says like so and so is an artist and activist, and it's like okay, right off the bat, it's it's such a turn off. Didn't I didn't I tell you that, Joe? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, LA artist? No. Yeah, it's definitely an LA thing for sure. I know. I'm, I'm totally no, you, don't, you don't have to hear it from me, but I've been on that also. thing for a while, and yeah, and so I know how annoying that is and la is probably you know the capital of it it, oh, yeah. it you know hollywood and fine art i mean all those a lot of a lot of those artists take their cues in a way from hollywood oh yeah oh. whether they know it or not i mean it, it sort of just bleeds into the culture and into the air it's not something that they would necessarily admit or be cognizant of yeah. but it's still sort of there in the air absolutely and and, and there have definitely been shows that i've been to where you know someone was uh i had become an established figure in one medium um they're like oh you know like i'm actually gonna be a painter now and and, and, this, and, and it, it comes off as so self-serving like there was one it was like a hip-hop producer it's like a grammy award-winning hip-hop producer but he had like an art show dedicated to him to his work and it, it was just really bad but it was just sort of like yeah you started painting like a year ago but you've been in, in the music industry for 10 years but it's just sort of i don't know it just seems so like, oh, people like me, so I guess I can do anything and, and put my name on it, and people will, will still like me, sort of thing. It's almost kind of like merchandising. 
Yeah, exactly. And it uh. says, I remember, I mean, there were people that you would go to these uh, shows and I mean, this happened more than once, but it was like, and then my next show, I'm taking classes for sculpture. I'm, it's like, I'm taking classes for sculpture and my next show for sculpture has already been, uh, you know, scheduled and, you know, I just, I hope I know what I'm doing with the clay. I hope it stays together. It's like, well, maybe you shouldn't be doing a show if you don't know how to work clay or whatever. I mean, it's like, it was literally like, gee, I hope this doesn't fall apart on us. You know, it's like, how experimental does should this be? Right. It was, it was uh, in LA. I mean, oh, yeah. it was just constantly <laughs> just being sort of, I don't, I mean, I, I shouldn't take it too personally, but it's just so, some things just sort of slap you in the face with how bad they are and how stupid they are. No, and, no. you know, people just, that, that, that was great. That yeah. was, that was good. And it's like, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It always <laughs> cracks me up that like there, I, I, I wish that people, that um, audiences were a little more, like, you know, you don't have to be a dick, but, but they were a little more honest. It's like, are, are, are you celebrate? Are you applauding this person simply because their painting is on a wall? Is that, is that enough for you to be like, oh, this is nice. It's profound. And it's like, no, it's not. It's, you, they made it on a computer and it's just, they just kind of slapped together. They got it. The AI. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> There's a lot of that. <clears throat> There's a lot of waiting in line. And the quickest way to jump the line is to be a fan. Yeah. yeah. So you always want to appear to be supportive. And that turns into a type of circle jerk where you can't criticize anyone for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads to, what would you say? Well, a popularity contest. Yeah. yeah. Because if, if, if the work doesn't matter, then what does? It's not the work. It's the network. It's the networking. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not, it's by far not the only industry where that is the standard, yeah. but it's certainly more saturated with that type of idea than many other things are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, another thing that bothers me, and, and I'm curious to get your take on this is like when, you know, there'll be like a, a description next to the piece that's on display and, and it'll like just straight up say like what the, pieces about like it'll be like oh you know this painting of rainbow is symbolic of the struggle against oppressive blah 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 and it's like i i mean first off like probably not and you probably use a bunch of big words from from academia to slap in there but also it's just sort of like you're removing your 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 uh uh taking away my uh, my chance to interact with the work and struggle with it and kind of you know come to it with with my own experiences and come to my own you know conclusions about what it's about yeah, so I mean, that sort of thing in the arena that you're talking about is another chance, I would imagine, for a lot of people to use some sort of lingo that is of the DEI, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, origin story. Um, maybe there's some group you're part of that was oppressed, no. you know, marginalized. Um, those things do can be part of a woke thing, depending on how they're, they're worded. But <clears throat> what it essentially comes from, in, in my estimation, is probably mm. uh, the academic world. <clears throat> and so 
when you go to an art show and what you're referring to is yeah. sort of when an art show sort of feels like homework, yeah. <laughs> it feels like this is a project and here's what it is yeah. and here's what it means. And this is what I was doing. And there was a lot of that. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's just, that is, that is like you're saying, it's a little bit of a spoon feeding. Yeah. And it's more like it a book report. Take, Rather than like, yes, like a, a, exactly. It's very book reporty, very homeworky. No, it no. has an academic sting to it. No. And a lot of these artists have gone to art school and they've lived in situations where that is mostly the going rate. And so they've developed in that, that time period over years where art students become art teachers and they teach students who become art teachers you do that for a few generations and you have your own cyclical type of language right, right. <clears throat> and it, it spins out anyone who wasn't there. So no wonder if you just ask a, a normal person walking down the street, what do they think of art? Right, they think right. it's something that clever people do in New York yeah, or LA. Yeah. They don't, they don't, there's a, there's a big butting of the heads between uh, the, the working man or woman uh the blue collar and the artist and there shouldn't be but it's not the working people's fault it's not the blue collar's fault it's the artists who have become pretentious they've spoken above people's heads they charge too much for their work they don't go to places that don't have a starbucks on every corner i mean it's become a very self-serving very uh interior type of culture and so you know to your other question i'm out of that now and yeah, so i no. can see those things and i saw them then but i can see them in greater relief even now so you know i think yeah a lot of that is 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 the fault of the academics and the fault of a type of language that purposefully uh, tries to talk to one another instead of, you know, anyone else that might be on the outside of that loop. Yeah. It reminds us so much of like what's happened to journalism too, because I mean, like a few decades ago, like the mm. journalism was considered like a, a pretty blue collar job. It's like you had to go out and travel and meet people and you had these tight mm -hmm. deadlines and then you had all this, but nowadays like the vast majority of journalists, um, you know, they, they went to prestigious universities and they didn't work at the local newspaper or, or anything like that. They, 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 it's like right out of, as soon as they graduated from Harvard or Yale, they immediately went to working at the Washington post or the New York <clears throat> times. And so now it's like most journalists just typing or in, in their underwear, you know, from their, their condo sort of thing. And now, and so yeah, I think it's kind of a similar thing where, it, it, you know, it, 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 it used to be more of the people and more to inform the, the public. But now it's like, well, I know we have to talk above the public. Now we have to tell you what to believe and what to think. Or, or you know, and also, you know, maybe journalists that center themselves too much. And so there's a notoriety that they're trying to ascertain. And yeah, it doesn't feel like it's for you. It feels like, you know, someone is, I don't know, maybe a little bit too egotistical for right. their own for their own literature. Right, right. Well, I don't think, I mean, journalism, I think, has suffered the most from <clears throat> this because yeah. they're like an artist, at least if they have like a lot of great art has come out of like provoking for, for you know, 
whatever it is for for activism let's say or for for a certain movement or something like that Hmm. where journalism like is not supposed to do that like it's supposed to present arguments and objective facts most importantly because that's how you get anything and speaking truth to power and that's completely changed um especially with the kind of journalists that that joe is talking about which is completely accurate i mean uh, i remember when like taylor lorenz went and she like knocked on some door in brooklyn and they were like shoe leather journalism going on <laughs> it's like like that is one thing about vice i miss like at least yeah. vice used to like do that yeah they used to yeah. actually like talk to the terrorists or to the um to the people at the site whatever it was like you were getting primary sources and and not just from the um, the towers in washington dc or la or new york or whatever it was um but but yeah so so journalism definitely has suffered most from this and that's what's going on right now at the times like i think there is a pushback which is good and that's why i don't know if you've i i i listen to a podcast that talks a lot about that's that's very like insider kind of journalism a lot of focus on like the gender stuff and internet bullshit and that sort of thing like that is what's going on right now at the new york times where like the younger generation there is this push for like to be not like to be openly activist journalists like a a a, i wouldn't even say a multi-hyphenate because that's what i think we've been talking about this whole time like that's the new terms like multi-hyphenate some people use it as a uh, derogatory term like, like myself and other people kind of lean into it yeah. but um that's uh, but but so it's not even that it's more of just like no journalism by definition should be activism like should be an activist uh, yes. profession which is very like deeply disturbing uh, I, I, and, and should be i think to anyone yeah the question is an activist for what right exactly yeah right well it sucks. <laughs> I mean, an activist for the truth would be the only real answer you could probably give if you're talking about activating anything. And that should just be like innate in journalism itself, just like getting to the truth or like, and truth isn't always a single thing. Like what, like there are, I don't know if this is right, like subjective truths. Like I don't know if that's an oxymoron, but like <laughs> different people can look at a situation and 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 deduce their own conclusion from it like like they can do that there's different uh like that that's totally i think accurate and fine but it's more of presenting those um backing it up with data and witnesses and um you know as much objective information as possible to form um uh accurate conclusions like like to do that and to understanding people why they came to this conclusion there's supposed to be this kind of like journalistic autopsy after the 2016 election which lasted for all of about 30 seconds when they were like well you know we didn't talk to the people out there we were kind of we were stuck in our blue bubbles and we didn't know how this would happen the thing happening of course trump being elected (laughs) and then immediately it was like well he's a nazi so so yeah it it doesn't matter and you know they're all evil no matter what like it doesn't matter why it doesn't matter (laughs) that maybe all their industry was removed and that they're called deplorable and that their very existence is considered like an act of aggression it's like well it doesn't matter and that they could vote reactionary even if it's quote unquote against their best interests their own interests which a term i fucking hate and it's like the most like obnoxious thing that they say because these same people vote against their own interests all the time 
Like, but, but of right. course when they do it, it's for a righteous purpose. And when someone else does it, you know, people can have different, but like they might value something like their children's education or their free speech or the freedom of religion over maybe a, a tax right. benefit they might get. Like, I don't know, di like different people vote for different reasons and have their, you know, the, the abortion side of the, the, let's say the pro-life side of yeah. uh, of the Republican base has been voting on that sole issue since the 70s, basically. Right. Yeah. Like, that the doesn't matter. Issue, issue voter is a, right. is, a, is a real thing. And to them, that is in their best interest. Like, and they can, they form that. Like, they decided that's in their best interest. So anyway, um, so, I, and I, again, I, I'm, I'm, I have a point here I want to get to, which is, and I wanted to ask her this question down for you, Judson. I don't remember if we talked about this last time, but like, you, you, in the beginning of this episode, you you brought up how you basically, I guess, went to like a retreat in Northern Georgia. Would you call it that? Like an artist retreat uh, when you uh, had your own residency, cabin? Yeah. A residency. I mean, yeah. Okay. A residency. Right. right. Um, and, and I read both your most, your, your two most recent pieces on the TRM um, medium page, uh, how you spend time with artists. And it sounded like you didn't, you don't really keep in touch with many of them or have many friends. And I'm someone like, do you like, being around other artists do you like like <laughs> do you have artist friends and i and i've said this on the show before like i don't really like being around other writers like i know both of you are writers but like in my experience writers and i and i i altered this a little that when i say writers are the worst people i think journalists are the worst people but writers are second politicians are in there or close or probably a close third but i was wondering like what it was your did you feel like an outcast <laughs> and alienated or or did you just not really keep in touch for other reasons well you know in back as as far as new york i mean uh some of those people aren't really artists anymore uh you know we could have kept in touch as friends but you know, you lose touch with people. I consider them friends from afar. And if one of them showed up at my house and it was raining outside and had nowhere to go, I'd greet them as a friend. There's no animosity. <clears throat> I do like artists. I just meet very few of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't particularly like people that are busy. Okay. I've lived in, in the big city for so long and I, I just, I hate this sort of thing where it's just like, yeah, Oh, it's been crazy. <laughs> Shut up. It's like, what did you, what was so crazy? What'd you do? Oh, well, you know, I had to go shopping, you know, what'd you get? Oh, I got a, a new hat, you know, and he's like, it's not busy. <laughs> I like people that can sit around for hours and have dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 really talk. That's why I like talking to you guys, I guess. I mean, you guys are pretty good. Uh thanks. I, uh, <laughs> I I do like artists, but I I'm I mostly like people. Mm. I spent a long time bartending. Mm. And when you bartend, you meet a lot of people and yep. they're in their comfort zone and you're comfortable because <laughs> you work there and you're at a bartender and they're comfortable because they've had a few glasses of whatever. And <clears throat> so I never, I've never given up my love uh, for people. Mm. I really do love people, <clears throat> but 
the way the art world is, I find there's that busyness, that mm. sort of, you know, especially in LA, I have to bring it up again, but everyone yeah. is clawing uh, to get somewhere to do something, you know, and so no one has the time to sit around and just, let's just drink a bottle of wine, yeah. smoke a joint, you know, pass the guitar or whatever, the bong, I don't care. It doesn't matter, but yeah. I like people who have time and I can spin with them and look them in the eyes. And, and so, you know, my best friend from the, no, those New York days is a guy named Mark DeRuza and he's a great friend of mine. He's now a chef. So, mm. you know, is it, is he an artist? Well, I don't, I mean, I get maybe he's, he's a craft based guy who's in love with what he does. That's, Good enough for me. And we've been friends ever since and we talk all the time. So, you know, I'm almost, well, I'm 36. So I expect there to be less people around. Mm -hmm. You know, I expect there to be less artists. I mean, artists do drop off. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of writers who used to be writers and, and, and yeah. non writers who used to be writers. And, People who said, yeah, I used to paint when I was in my 20s, but now I work at the bank or whatever. You know, I mean, hmm. not everyone's going to last in the hardcore uh, lifestyle because you get older and you need different things. And so people drop off. But I don't particularly feel the need to have a lot of artists around. Uh, I think uh, just having good people that are uh, hmm. open and, and jovial and can eat dinner and drink wine, I guess, yeah. you know. You're kind of skeptical of people who are or artists who are like working on too many things at once. Am I? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I'm 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 like that. I work on, I like mm. to work in a frenzy. <clears throat> yeah. I like to have too much. I like to make a list of the things that I need to do for each project and I don't get them done that day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it affects my work in that everything takes more time. Mm. but if I have a writer's block, I can paint. If I have painter's sure. block, I can write and so on and so forth. So I don't expect everyone to be like me. I've sort of, I'm sort of practiced in that type of expression. So it sort of works for me. I'm sort of a kid in a candy store. I just mm. want to go over here and do this for a minute and over here and do this for a minute. And I, uh, I don't want there to be too much stress on any one thing, which doesn't prevent it from happening. But hmm. typically I like to just walk around the room and a few strokes here and a couple of lines on the keyboard here. And um, I don't know. I just feel like a, like a happy kid that can just run around and play with all these different types of toys. <laughs> so I, I'm actually kind of starting on an article um about um like sort of uh, uh kind of a brutal lesson in a way of, of a what i'm sorry a, a brutal lesson uh, about <clears throat> okay. about you know trying to make it in in la as a creative person um everybody here is a flake like everybody's a fucking flake and like you know like the, 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 the there's a reason why the hollywood promise exists and at first for the first couple of years that i was here i was really I would sometimes take it kind of personally where it's like, you know, I, you know, I met someone like at a party or at a bar and we got along and like, Oh, Hey, you're into this. You know, we should work together on something. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's exchange numbers. 
And like a week later, hey, man, do you want to get together, talk about that thing? And then like, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm really busy right now, but I'll let you know. And then like, I don't, I never hear back. Like That's happened to me so many fucking times. And it happens, it happens to almost everybody else that I know too, where it's like, oh, I'm yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and for, for a while, I was taking it kind of like, man, you know, like, what the fuck's up with this talent? But I'm also kind of like, yeah, but you know, everybody's working on 10 different projects and you never know when one of those projects is going to, you know, take off. So they might say, yeah, let's work together on something. But then, like, you know, two days later, one of those other projects takes precedence. So it's kind of like, ah, eh, I would probably, I might, I might do the same thing if, if I'm working on something and it takes off. And it's like, oh, sorry, I got to say no to all these other things. So. But uh, yeah, I mean that's just kind of how it is, I guess, in the big city. So. It is, but LA perfected it and practically invented it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's true. I mean, people were people were talking about LA like that in the 1930s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all the writers would talk about how you know you go to LA, you write your thing, you get your money, and you leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's not it's, a great yeah. place. Uh, I, like <laughs> I, had, I had a lot of those same experiences and unfortunately most of my negative personal interactions with people <clears throat> unfortunately they did stem back to a type of flakiness yeah. or a type of narcissism yeah. I <clears throat> don't know why but for certain people I presented myself not on purpose but as someone who could do something for them yeah yeah I'm not a person that makes promises. I don't pretend I'm a producer. I don't pretend I know people that I don't. I don't have any money, you know. Yeah. But for some reason, they thought, well, well, maybe we could meet up and have coffee. Right. And I would do that. And then as soon as they realized I was just in the dirt like they were, it's like, ooh, yeah. look at the time. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, I thought you wanted to, like, hang out. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that. And... Uh, that's sort of what I mean about people being busy, and it's sort of what I uh, like. You said it's it's also anywhere where there's a lot of people. Uh, everyone is just looking for, you know, who can get them to the next rung up the ladder. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm. How do how do you feel about that? I mean, you're you're writing scripts. Uh, you're in a band. You're still working with you on on the music, the blues thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're supposed to be recording soon. Um, but I mean, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the the main band leader, he uh, um, his wife is pregnant and she's due very soon. So that's taking up a lot of his time. Um, so really? Pri priorities. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, man? Yeah, no. no, that's a legit one. Okay. I know, yeah, that's... yeah. That, that's, okay, that's but... it. But, but yeah, you know, it's it's definitely, you know, like I said, it, it it was something that that I've I've I'm coming to terms with much easier now. Where I'm kind of like, okay, you know, don't take it personally. Like that person probably wanted to work with you, but something came up. Or there, there are a few other things too that are actually kind of funny. It's like, um, you know, uh, uh, I would talk to somebody like, hey, yeah, let's work together, let's collaborate on something. And then like two months later, hey, so you want to get together? It's like, oh, I moved. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you know. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's best just kind of like, okay, whatever, that, that project didn't work out, but good thing, you know, like all other people in LA, I've got 10 other projects that I'm working on. So maybe one of those other things will, will take off. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also like a good opportunity too, for me to kind of be like, well, you know, there are times when I flaked out and, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the kind of person that annoys me. So it's like, okay, maybe this is, you just as an opportunity to hopefully try to establish myself as someone who's reliable and, and, you know, actually follows through on things. So, yeah. 
Well, in a busy place where everyone's hungry, it's also not a good idea to tell people no. Yeah, yeah. Because right. there goes the opportunity. You want to work together? No, I don't. <laughs> it's better to just say yes, and then if you don't later, then fuck it. Yeah. You know yeah, what exactly. I mean? It's, it's sort of like the default way of, you know, yeah, of course, whatever yeah. this is. I don't know, but we'll see. It's right. sort of, you don't close doors. You leave them open until it sort of closes itself. In a sense, exactly. Socially. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a strategy there, I think, with some people, whether they would phrase it like that or not. But Yeah. Yeah. Uh. What about you, Ben? What kind of artists do you not like? Kind of, man. I, I don't know. I I <laughs> I have such a romantic, like I have such like romantic thoughts of just like finding that literary bar and hanging out with yeah. people who know, like artists, you know, painters, writers, whatever it is, sculptors, and it's like talking art. And then I realize that, like, I don't know. I fucking shoot myself. Like I hate like, <laughs> these people. Drive me nuts. And I've yeah. been like Judson, you're talking about the narcissism. Like I've been around writers like that. And I'm like, dude, you wrote a fucking children's book. Like, like yeah. chill. Like, <laughs> and I say that as someone who I, I have an idea for, I have a couple ideas for children's books, but like the way that I think the self-satisfaction a lot of people get out of it is just such a turnoff to me. And I've kind of embraced more of just being like, I don't know if an outsider is, is the right term, but just kind of building my own readership and writing exactly what I want to write because I don't, I'm an independent writer, so I don't have to change anything. Like my editors give suggestions. They give, you know, whether that's plot voice, um, obviously grammar, things like that, like that. I, they, they do, but right. if I want a certain message, if I want certain characters or what they say or whatever, like I, I pick that, like I, I can write exactly what I want. Mm. And um, that's much more of what, of what I'm into, and a lot of people like it. Some don't. Like I, I did. I've, I had my first like scathing review recently, and it kind of hurt to be honest. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, the bitch got it. And, and then I'm like, oh, she just found. And this wasn't even my most recent book. This was my most popular book. Like really, mm -hmm. the book that sells semi regularly has mm -hmm. the most reviews, and like a lot of everyone who reads it for the most part either likes it or loves it, but this person fucking hated it. And <laughs> nice. I realized it's like, let's get them oh, on the show. It's like, I would love to, I would love to, and just be like, <laughs> she took, she actually, this is a good thing that, that I should have brought up earlier. Cause when you were saying like, well, they wrote this character, like she was mad that one of, basically this is the book. I have about a Greek God and a girl. Like those are the two point of views, right? It's, it's the Greek guy Dionysus and then this girl New Orleans and it switches between them. Um, and some people are really shitty to the girl. And I think because I wrote that a lot of male characters are shitty to this girl that, that <clears throat> I like hate women. <laughs> like because yeah. because like i had some really vile male characters in this book and it's like and and the girl was like a, a girl of color as you would say now and it's like where are you getting this from that i condone this behavior like i'm gonna write it because these kind of people exist it was interesting it moved the plot and you know gave the story you know different different it gave different parts of the story but that doesn't mean I like condone it or I want it to happen. And she took every single thing like that, every kind of like crit identitarian 
uh, point, like if someone was gay or someone was black or some like whatever it was, and just interpreted it in the least um, favorable way. Right. And, yeah. and I'm like, oh, like this book isn't for you. Like you're you're on a mission to find uh, problems with everything. You're not on a mission to enjoy fiction. Right. Right. No, flattening everything to the nearest evil yeah. is yeah. always yeah. Is, is a clear sign of uh, th that type of motivation where they don't even give you an inch. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you. I mean, what if it? wasn't fiction i mean right, right. these things yeah. do happen yeah, yeah. you know i don't know specifically but i mean whatever you wrote could have happened i mean sure yeah you know, so, I mean, probably did on some level so yeah to of talk course. about something isn't isn't a celebration or uh you know uh giving permission for it to happen again or justifying it and people get that confused all the time yeah mm -hmm. all the time so I hear you about the bad reviews. They do sting. Uh, yeah, this was just like, you fucking bitch. Like, like, yeah. like, I, didn't, I didn't write anything, but I'm like, oh, I know what you're doing. Like, you're just looking to, to, to like, that made her feel good to write that about my work. And it didn't feel like a good faith critique. Like, I think that there are plenty of good faith critiques you can make about any of my work. Like that's totally fine. But this of course, usually it bothers, yeah. it, it, bo <laughs> <laughs> like it bothers me because it just did not feel like it was in good faith. And it was just like the, maybe they listen to the podcast and like, fuck this guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. And that's no, but she actually read, like at least she actually read the book. Like, I could tell she read it, which is right. great. Seems Thank like I hope, I hope she bought it. Yeah. And she cared enough to write a fucking review about it, but still it's like, Jesus lady. <laughs> yeah, sometimes like I get negative comments on my medium articles, and I, I've gotten to the point where I just stop. me. That's just, oh, that's just me on my burners. <laughs> but I've gotten to the point now where I, I just I don't I don't respond at all because you know when I start going back and forth, it takes a huge chunk of my time. But um, but like you know, even even you know, even when they make a negative comment that stings, I'm still like, yeah, but you know, I get some of your money. Because you read my articles on Medium, so I I don't care anymore. You're interacting like the more interact, the more you interact with my articles, yeah. the more money of yours I get. So go have yeah, at it. Say not, what you want. It's not about your approval either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have a um, book on Amazon, and someone wrote um, uh, pure garbage. <laughs> <laughs> was that it? Just just two lines? Just are those those two words? Uh, yeah. It was, that was it. It said, uh, pure, it was a redundancy of some sort. It was, uh, it was like total pure garbage. Oh. <laughs> it's like, well, it's, it's my garbage. Okay. Yeah. So, but there's a purity to it though. At least it's pure. It's, 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 yeah, know. at least it's pure. Okay. Um, so, have you faced uh, much, much criticism, um, like back during your, 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 uh, us days as an artist, like, did you, did anybody like at any, saw any of your work and tell you to your face, you know, that your art sucks in any way? Have you ever had to deal with that? <clears throat> no, I <clears throat> got people who didn't seem to like me. Mm. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit, but <clears throat> I, I, I don't come across as your whole goods, whole foods, 
LA artist Mr. liberal. Type, yeah. I just, I don't have to even say anything. I can just walk into the room. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I sort of saunter and I wear leather jackets and, and boots and uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like they could always see me coming. <laughs> uh, and so I was, I had studio visits and I had, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, mostly like white women who were like around my age is sort of, hmm. you know, they just mm -hmm. didn't like whatever my, if I stunk, they didn't like the, the stench, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no one really took the time to <clears throat> necessarily critique my art, but my art wasn't seen very much. I mean, I didn't have any shows. I didn't, I had a few open studios, but those were mostly people that I knew. And most of the people that I showed up that showed up in for my open studio were people who uh, I bartended for mm. <laughs> the bar, the mm. bar that I worked for cleared out for two hours and they all came to my studio and, and they were my friends and, and, and they, they're not, they don't know anything about art. They probably thought I was nuts, oh. but they were there to have, <laughs> they, they, were, they were there to have fun. Yeah. And so I never got to the point of a critical review, although I did have a guy who was sort of like a sort of a, a taste, a trendsetter in the art world mm -hmm. <clears throat> at the time. And he was a very popular guy and I had gotten to know him and he was nice enough, but he was. I think he knew the game he was playing a little bit, but. He sort of came over to the, my studio and critiqued my art, and he said, "You know, Judson. I mean, this some of this stuff is 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 good. It's great. I mean, I feel like I could, I feel like it doesn't belong in a gallery. I feel like it. Uh, you know, I could see it in a museum." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, huh. that's supposed to be a critique." Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he meant it as a kind of my art does have an agedness to it. It mm. does. When you look at it, it looks old in a sense. I mean, there's a, that's the generation that I pull from. I'm not a contemporary. My art doesn't look contemporary. It looks modern. Right. I've always been a modern painter, not a contemporary painter, right. but <clears throat> that was sort of a line that stuck with me. But other than that, uh, most of all people just sort of didn't really like me that much. No. So cool. Uh, I will say, I will say, like as much as, as frustrated as I can get on like book sales, with the lack thereof sometimes. Mm -hmm. And like, like why haven't I sold a book in in a month or something like that? Or like not getting enough views on things or whatever it is. Like when you get what when either like a friend or a stranger, whichever it is, I think it's a different kind of sensation. Like does uh, does say they enjoyed your art for lack of a better term for me my books or maybe an article i wrote or something like i think that does make it all worth it like, like pat who you know joe pat he's a comedian who lives in la um he, i grew up with him he's from new jersey but he lives in la okay. so i actually knows joe both on like both of us and yeah. he's been on three episodes um he has told me like my first book is his favorite book which is like mm. one of the coolest things that someone has said to me or even joe mm. yes yesterday i get an email for um that that piece I wrote in TRM about rereading my favorite book, right? The Trek oh, yeah. my Missioner. Some random guy just emailed me on my website saying, you know, I, I had to reach out. I've read that, you know, the Drifters six or seven times. He was yeah. he was he was actually 
bring the full circle. He was like a journalist in Vietnam doing like real journalism shit. And he's like, and every time I read that, I, I, I can like look back differently and I have a different um, association with it. And I, I know that you kind of came to this conclusion that you're not going to reread it, but I, I really hope you do. And then Judson, you know what you were just saying, he, he actually said, if you're ever in the Lehigh Valley, which is a part of Pennsylvania, we should meet up and discuss this book. Like we should grab, grab coffee and discuss this book. So it's kind of like what you were just saying about like meeting with people and, and kind of just taking the time. And I thought yeah. that was very yeah. cool. And that was something I wrote last year. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Just have someone randomly, some guy I've never met before, just reach out to me. Like, that is really cool. Like just as that 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 whether you write something on Medium or you write a novel that you know I've had readers in South Africa, in Japan, in Brazil, in um like in Sweden, like and for them to reach out to me, it, it's a very cool feeling that does negate all of the all of the the shitty feelings that come with putting your art out there and don't yeah. really getting the attention that they might think it deserves. For sure. I mean, that's great. I mean, that's kind of if if your if if your art, whatever it may be, can extend to that level, I yeah. think it's definitely obviously a compliment to the to the work at least. Maybe maybe to you, but more towards the work particularly. Sure. Yeah. And you know, the the toughest thing is probably being ignored. I'd rather have ten comments on something that say you suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Than just sort of I don't like, know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, especially on the internet, you do have to build up, you know, a tolerance. Yeah. And with enough negative comments that you read, like you were saying before, you can sort of sense the motivation. Yeah. There are some people who are just out to get you. Yeah. And they, they yeah. stab you and they twist the knife. If there's not some comment, compliment embedded into something somewhere, you know, and it's not that someone has to give you a compliment to give you a critique, but if they're just bashing you over the head, like their comment is a rock and they're trying to take you out, it feels like you struck a nerve and you don't know where that nerve was. Maybe you do, but you just, you don't know, you know, this isn't coming from, like you said, a good faith Mm. place. They're, they're trying to hurt you. And once you sense that someone is trying to hurt you, it really comes off as cheap and something that at least for myself, I'm likely to ignore yeah, because yeah. I think, yeah, you're just making it too personal. It's just, this just, this means too much to you and yeah. you're a random person. So you owe, you can't let yourself, you can't let it, ruin your day or ruin the project or, or whatever it is. Not, I mean, I know you know that, but just to reemphasize that people come from all sorts of perspectives and, you know, once you sense that it's a bad faith thing, it's, you can kind of stop reading really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's also, Ben, you're, you're, you're talking about how, you know, it's like that one email kind of made, you know, meant so much to you. It's like, I like that, you know, because like making something creative, like there, there, there's automatically this assumption that like, oh, so are you professional or so it's just sort of like, oh, like, like your success is measured in terms of how many followers do you have? Mm-hmm. How, how much, how much money are you making? But so little gets talked about like, well, you know, has your work touched people? Like, has it, has it affected people? Has it made people think about life in different ways? Like that's, that I think is, is, you know, 
uh, ultimately more worthwhile. But you know, it, it, that's also the kind of reward that doesn't come instantly for a lot of people. Mm. You know, it, it's it's much easier to be like, yeah, okay, I wrote this article. Okay, now I want my paycheck. Or I wrote this book. Okay, when do I get my advance check? It was, but you know, it's it's um, you know, being able to pour your heart into something and then have other people to, to go, hey, yeah, you know that that you articulated something that that I was you know struggling with or that I was going through or you motivated me to do this things. Yeah, that's actually a lot better in many ways than getting a you know check. Thanks but so I mean, still, we have to have a check, though. I'm saying. <laughs> checks are nice. Yeah, checks are Both nice. is better. No. But I, obviously, we see what you mean. No, I mean, no. maybe success will come. If it does, it could very well come late. Yeah. No. If it doesn't come at all in that commercial way, those little nuggets of where you've uh, made someone think or feel uh certainly is is part of the the stew yeah uh, definitely mm. well judson so you got any other uh projects lined up man like you got anything uh, uh interesting in the pipeline <clears throat> well i just put out that book of poetry yeah like a bird knows to sing <clears throat> uh we'll be sure to add that in the in the description for 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 this for this episode so people can go, sure. go check it out uh, i don't know i wrote all those poems in miniature ice and uh i think there's sort of a a calm and a focus to them that uh i think almost all of them rhyme hmm. which i haven't done necessarily hmm. didn't do it on purpose right but uh if you're familiar with uh the rhyming poetry of people like uh wb yates and and Keats <clears throat> and even some of E. Cummings stuff. Uh, there's a simplicity and form there that I think kind of informed some of these works. So I've been very busy on that. <clears throat> uh, I'm very fairly deep into an auto, uh, not an autobiography, but a, a biography of uh, my father. <clears throat> Who died in 2017. Mm. Mm. Uh, so uh, he lived a very kind of rambunctious boom bust type of life. And I'm have a lot of work into that already, but it's mostly from my own perspective. But he lived such a long life before I was around that now I'm going back and talking to ex-wives of his and other children. There's a brother that uh, I still haven't met of mine. That's a half brother. Wow. Uh, wow. But we've chatted. So I have another brother named John Cork. Uh, there's uh, Stacy William Stacy. Those are two brothers that I never knew growing up. I've since met John Cork, uh, and uh, have yet to meet uh, Stacy. <clears throat> so there's like a lot to unpack. He was a very mysterious guy. I mean, I say in the book at one point, you know, I was probably 10 or 11 years old before it dawned on me that everyone technically has two sets of grandparents. You know, I mean, grandma and grandpa were always my mother, my mother's, the maternal grandparents. I never thought about my dad's grandparents because he never mentioned them. So I wasn't trained to think about that and right. so there's a big mystery to my father my father was a surgeon he was a doctor 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was also a pilot. He was type rated on a lot of different airline, a lot of different oh. equipment. A uh, uh, very passionate, artistic guy. I'm a lot like him. I was probably the closest person to him. Uh, and so that's a long-term project. Uh, and then I'm making a film with, oh, cool. my, with my wife. <clears throat> it's just me and her. Yeah. Uh, I'm the only actor <laughs> playing all the roles. Uh, <laughs> it sounds very strange, and I sort of purposefully undersell it. I'm going to undersell it. Uh, we're shooting it, shooting it on a phone. Cool. Uh, she is someone who is pretty knowledgeable about film, probably more than me on, on, on many levels. I've mm. acted before. I was in a film in San Francisco called Vacation, mm. which, which nice. my friend who was a director asked me to act in. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, I had no real reason to, to act. I had no hunger for it or anything like that. But he said, I think it'll be good in this role. And so then I find out I'm in every scene. I'm the main character. I'm almost <laughs> in every shot. But we were through it, and it was fairly, uh, it was fairly decent production. But it was a short film, and I learned a little bit about cinematography and, and directing. But this film is going to be uh, something big for me and and my wife and collaborator. I hope it's a feature length film. Sweet. We're really uh, showcasing Minas Gerais and the Brazilian landscape. Uh, I play a few different characters. Uh, that's sort of part of the story inside the story. Yeah. And uh, we've shot one character, a character based on uh, a painter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's shot, and I've edited it, and it's tight, and it's ready to go, but it's only part of a much larger vignette of these other characters. I'm doing. I, the reason that I have a beard and this long hair is actually I'm playing – a character who is uh, sort of a vagrant like I was when I mm. lived in my car in LA. So mm. I don't do this because it makes me beautiful. Uh, I haven't <laughs> stayed on purpose because we're, we're finishing up the role of this character. Uh, <clears throat> uh, this, mo- well, in the next couple of weeks. So that's been the thing that we've been working quite hard on. And my wife is pre- producing it to some level, even though it's not a traditional set film. So that's the closest mm. word I have for her role. But, uh, you know, I'm directing it and there's not really a script uh, <clears throat> per se. Um, and so that's something that I'm definitely going to talk to you guys more about. Uh, yeah. You know, you get long winded and you start talking about something you're writing and it's like, I don't, I don't want to give away too much. or I don't mean to sound pretentious, but you know, I, I lose steam talking about it rather than doing it. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. But uh, that's why I'm, I've got the beard and we're, we're working towards, I'd say we're probably about a year and a half, maybe two years out. We're a year, we're already a year deep. Uh, mm. uh, but but uh, age and uh, different forms of the body, like growing my hair out and stuff are part of the reason why it takes so long because the characters demand that type of, that type of, uh, movement so that's why it's going to take a long time Um, and then i've got a new body of 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 paintings that i'm 
that are that are studies right now, but that's something I'm going to get into. So, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid in a toy store. <laughs> I'm just uh, moving around as much as I can. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, looking forward to, to, to what you put out, man. And uh, uh, we'd love to have you back on to talk more about what you've been working on. and, and, and Yeah, what's for sure. I mean, that's uh, I, I definitely want to talk to you guys. Again, like when you guys talk about film, it's so interesting. You guys are so so knowledgeable uh and uh i really would like to be able to get you guys opinion particularly on this film i just you know you understand they'll take it'll take time to get there yeah but uh i guess we'll wrap it up here huh yeah i mean uh unless there's, to, there's, I mean, is there anything else that uh you guys uh are going to talk about or should we well, uh, well joe when are you gonna write this script and film this movie that i will star in and just kind of nonchalantly be the star <laughs> like, Judson, like judson got to do in san francisco because <laughs> i'm waiting i'm waiting for his big ben come out and star in this movie i'm like fine joe i'll do it yeah my it, friend give me your number and I'll, I'll i'll call you back i'll let you know when i'm free <laughs> You guys are great. Um, let's not make it 11 months this time. Yeah, I think we were chatting so much and, and there's definitely things that get lost in, in the chatter. Uh, but uh, I definitely want to keep in touch with you guys. I'm going to submit more. I want to submit something regularly to the TRM on Medium, but I, I don't want to crowd the page or whatever. So maybe we can think of a schedule like once or whatever. But yeah, sure. Man. Whenever it's fine because I, I I'm writing a lot. So if anything, like I'm I'm the one who's kind of crowding the page right now. But yeah, I mean, if anything, I, I would like love to get more regular writers on there to, to help space. Yeah, that don't. Out. Okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, like, yeah. Like we, uh, I think it's better for the for the publication to constantly have new new content. Yeah. New okay, new sure. Yeah. You know, I just don't want to throw everything out, but but yeah. So I'm, I'm sort of back on medium and and cool. uh, so I think the reckless muse is like sort of my home away from home. If I'm not going to publish something myself, I think a lot of it should be towards uh, you guys because uh, it seems to fit what I'm, what I write about anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. Man. We, we'd love to, to promote, uh, promote more of your stuff. And uh, yeah, let's definitely get together sooner than, than 11 months. And you know, hopefully no, get, get for like the summer or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you guys want, whatever you guys want. I'm, I'm, I can always find, find the time. I'm not that busy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds All right, good, man. man. Well, thanks for coming All on right. the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you, Joe. Ben, let me know if you're coming to Brazil. Oh, I will, Justin. Definitely. All right. We'll you guys have a good that. night. All right. You too. Stay reckless. Stay reckless, All everybody. Right, cheers. Stay reckless.